and welcome into another edition of the Fun in the Sun podcast, where we're talking all things Sunbelt football. I am Aikman Chambers, alongside my co-host, Mr. Brian Stone, as it's time to look ahead to Week 11 in the Sunbelt recap, uh, Week 10, and of course, uh, to start things off, well, we, we talked about last week how the big showdown between Georgia Southern and Amp State, the stage was set with the same theme a lot that it was a year ago in Statesboro with the Mountaineers coming in ranked on a winning streak. Georgia Southern just kind of meddling around the 500 mark. Uh, but it, And once again, the same outcome, now albeit a much closer game this go-round, it took to the fourth quarter for this game to get close, but uh, I tell you what, man, we kind of got we had the same stage that was set, and therefore we got the same result. Yeah, it was. It was. This was was interesting coming into it because you literally could not, on either side, being a Georgia Southern fan or an App fan, talk about this game without somebody popping up and saying Zach Thomas didn't play last year. As if any of us forgot that he got injured. You know, if you keep up with this rivalry at all and you watched last year's game, you know he didn't play last year. So you didn't constantly need to be reminded (laughs) that he got knocked out. But, you know, credit to uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, Obviously, Wesley Kennedy was, was probably the most explosive player on either team in this game. And uh, Georgia Southern, you know, jumped out to uh, a pretty substantial 24 to 7 lead, Uh, got a little conservative there toward the end, you know, started giving uh, fans of the Eagles a little bit of a heart attack at the end of the game. But uh, all in all, did enough to win. Yeah, they definitely did, and you know, it was it was a rough night in the weather. The weather conditions, especially early on, was just awful. I was there outside in it, and then by the end of the night, it was snowing, and it was just it was just one of those nights where it really the weather favored Georgia Southern style of play over uh, Appalachian style of play, and you saw it play out on the field as well. But you know, it's one of those things where. You saw Zach Thomas look like at times he just wasn't comfortable. I don't know what it was. He was either short on his throws or he was throwing them behind his receivers. And then what few times he was able to get it to the receivers, there was just way too many drops. Yeah, drops were drops and the lack of a running game for the first like three quarters were what killed them the most because, you know, Thomas had to air it out 51 times. I specifically remember this first series of the game. I think there were two consecutive drops that would have went for first downs that were just, I mean, hit his receivers right in the hands. So, you know, if you took out some of those drops, I bet App probably wins this game. But, you know, like you said, weather was bad. That favored Georgia Southern and their style of offense where they're not doing any putting ball in the air. It's all handoffs or short pitches. Um you know, like like you said, it really did favor Georgia Southern, but uh, Appalachian State's uh, pass catchers just need to do a better job in general. I know, and this, you know, that's no, that's normally not an issue Appalachian State has. Normally, you know, with guys like Thomas Hennigan, Malik Williams, and Corey Sutton, the last thing you talk about having issues with is the ability to catch the ball. Hennigan uh, has one of the highest contested catch ratings in the country this year, and it, it's it was just one of those odd nights where it just seemed to be that nothing went right in that spectrum for App State. But I thought late in the game, uh, App State did well to pull the defense really 
shored up in the fourth quarter. Uh, they they were able to get some stops, especially late in the fourth quarter, to try and give the offense extra chances. Did you feel like late in the game that the play calling from Bob DeBess got a little too conservative? Yeah, that's my main uh, beef with him is that it, he does this usually at the beginning of games. He he gets hyper conservative because I guess he wants to see what kind of defenses they're going to throw at you. So a lot of our series go handoff up the middle, try to run around the outside, and then early on in the season it it was a it was a pass on third and eight was our third down play. So it, it's just the most frustrating part of this game was that you could tell he was trying so hard not to to give the game away that it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like on third and short multiple times, Georgia Southern would run an inside handoff and there would just be a wall of app defenders waiting to tackle the guy. So it's like, of course he has no chance to get the first down. So yeah, that's been my main beef with him. Uh, I will say the first three quarters, I thought he did a really good job of play calling and mixing it up. And just just for frame of reference, the last two weeks, I know that they've played New Mexico State, and, but, they, but they did play app. Wesley Kennedy has 19 carries for 280 yards and four touchdowns. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that he was he was literally the key piece that we were missing. I think we beat Minnesota at Minnesota if he plays in that game. Yeah, it's it seems to be that he was the big key that uh, that that was missing and it, it showed into a big way with his game that he had last Thursday night in Boone and for the second year in a row the Mountaineers falling from the top 25 with that loss that 24-21 loss to Georgia Southern dropping to 7-1 and on the season and 4-1 and in the conference uh, Georgia Southern goes to 5-3 and on the season and 3-1 and uh, in the conference well you flash forward to Saturday and man did we have some close games on Saturday but the thriller was in Conway South Carolina and now we're all left to wonder is Troy what we thought they were because Coastal Carolina, a game-winning two-point conversion off of a C.J. Marable end zone uh, touchdown run in the final seconds as he crossed the goal line, and then the, getting the two-point conversion, a 36-35 Coastal Carolina win. Troy now 3-5, and five, and with the schedule they have left, you look at who they got left, Georgia Southern, Texas State, Louisiana, and Appalachian State. All of a sudden now, Brian, there's a chance this Troy team doesn't make it to a bowl game. I mean, there's a chance that they finish the season with three wins. Yeah. You know, I mean, Texas State has shown signs of life sometimes, but if Troy's not going to play any defense, then you might as well just pack it in. You know, Troy's defense has been so bad this year. Uh, what a gutsy call, though, at the end of the game to call to go for it on a two point conversion instead of just tying the game and playing for overtime. Um, you know, Bryce Carpenter stepped in Fred for Fred Payton in this game for Coastal, and he was razor sharp. I mean, he was 32 of 45, 285 yards and a score. I think that threat of the passing game was what Coastal had been missing up to this point in the year. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you haven't seen a quarterback put the ball in the air like that for Coastal really since they were in FCS football, it feels like, because they've just been so one-sided and had a quarterback carousel. But, you know, I feel like Bryce Carpenter, 
Thunder has done well filling in for Fred Payton while he recovers from his injury that he had. And, and you know, give credit, you know, Marable really hasn't been the main the main guy the past couple of weeks for Coastal Carolina. It's been more Hairston. Hairston showed his playmaking ability against y'all a couple of weeks ago when they played y'all in, at Paulson Stadium. And, and, you know, Coastal Carolina, when they're able to mix – they're running pass game up together and get 400 plus yards of offense by you know nearly 200 apiece. That's when this Shawnee team because they got a good defense. Coastal Carolina's defense is not horrible by any means. They just lack the the baseline consistency offense to where it wasn't so overly dominant trying to run the football. Now that they've kind of got it where they can you know mix it up and get. 200 250 plus yards through the air and get you 150 to 200 on the ground that's where i feel like this team is going to be the most successful well the the thing uh, when we played coastal was that they couldn't throw the ball because of the terrible weather uh conditions tell me if that one sounds familiar and the the second thing was that cj marable's usage in the game that they lost to us was super limited i was i, I was so confused with how they used him Obviously, in this game, he had 14 carries, but he did chip in the winning two-point conversion. I believe he also scored the touchdown that pulled them within one as well. So back-to-back big plays, they put it on C.J. Marable's shoulders. But, I, you know, I've long since the Kilton Anderson year uh, thought Bryce Carpenter was the better quarterback than Fred Payton and didn't really understand why Carpenter wasn't getting as much burn. Yeah, I've thought the same thing. I thought Carpenter would be the better fit for this team, and it looks like that they finally, you know, I, I here's my thing. Even if Fred Payton's back healthy, I don't see how you just throw him back in there because even when they haven't won games with Bryce Carpenter, they've been competitive. Yeah, and he gives you that threat of, oh, man, they might throw the ball down the field on us, so we can't just stack the box and anticipate a run on every other play. So Ann Carpenter has shown the, the ability to throw to run the ball a little bit when he's had opportunities. You know, he had 46 yards rushing in this one, uh, including a run of 40 yards. So he's got some wheels uh, when they're when they're in there and they're blocking for him. I, I like what he's able to do. Uh, but what can you really say about Troy's season thus far? Just it looks like they didn't make the really right right hire at head coach with Chip Lindsey. Uh, they're not playing any defense, and now they're one and three in the conference and have three wins this year. So, you know, what this just seems to be like a lost season for them. It really does. And, and you know, here's the theme once again no running game. Ever since it, it's been a it's been a steady free fall since BJ Smith's injury, but it goes to show you that this team they just can't run the football that that effectively without BJ Smith. Well, even if they had had him, I don't know how he would cover up their deficiencies on defense. I mean, unless they were just going to grind, you know, games out and and try to shorten them. Uh, I mean, Billingsley's been not great, but serviceable as a running back. But their defense has really been what's let them down. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, it's just been it's just been one of those uh, years that it's not what anybody thought going into the year for Troy, but uh, you know, with uh, with what they have left, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get to that six win uh, plateau. With the win, Coastal Carolina gets to four and four on the season and gets that first win in conference play at one and three, and then Troy they fall to three and five and one and three in conference play. Well, Arkansas State was taking on Louisiana. 
Louisiana Monroe, and they made the trip down to Monroe to take on the Warhawks. As we expected, we both said we liked the over in this game. We thought it would be a high-scoring game, and it definitely was. 48-41, Arkansas State grabbing the win over Louisiana Monroe. But this was a game that early on, it looked like Monroe might start to run away with this game all of a sudden, though. But in the second quarter, Arkansas State, well, they put the pedal to the floor. It took them a little while to wake up and get their legs under them. But when they did, they finally got things rolling. I'm going to be honest with you. I couldn't believe how tight this game was for the majority of it. Um, you know, I kept checking in on this game just to just to see, and I couldn't believe how UL Monroe was was hanging in there with Arkansas State's offense. Honestly, you know, as soon as as soon as I kind of count Caleb Evans out, when you were listing the top five quarterbacks in the conference, I said I would I probably wouldn't list him there. But you know, how can you how can you uh, fight with he threw for 215 yards and two touchdowns. He ran for 148 and three touchdowns. How, I mean, how can you argue with that? Maybe his, he is a top five quarterback in the conference. Well, that was my thought, you know, from, from the get-go. I've seen the kid play because he's pretty much been at Monroe ever since App State's been in the Sun Belt. And this is a kid that you've seen make plays time and time again, and he's had his a lot of consistency. Just really hasn't had what you would call just uh, elite-level Sun Belt talent around him as much. And I, I really think this young man, he's a dual-threat playmaker. He can beat you with his arm or with his legs and I think if he had a little bit more help around him this is a kid that if you put him at a uh ab state if you put him at a Georgia state if you put him at a Louisiana if you put him I don't know how well he could run a triple option variation like at Georgia Southern but if you put him places like app Louisiana and also uh you know with uh, Georgia State I believe you would still be successful yeah I mean I I, I agree with all of those assessments, you know, and and going to the Arkansas State side of things, I really think their defense is going to be what stops them from truly being as good as they possibly could be this year because Lane Hatcher can sling it. Uh, Marcel Murray has shown the ability, you know, he ran for 175 and three touchdowns in this one. He's shown the ability to be, you know, a real threat. And Omar Bayless, their receiver, is is always you know, someone you have to account for as well. But, you know, UL Monroe coming into this one didn't have exactly the most prolific offense, and they still scored 41. So I think that once they get into a part of their schedule, Arkansas State, where they're having to uh, play some better defenses, you know, they play Coastal and Georgia Southern in back-to-back weeks, I think it might be a little tougher for them to to try to you know keep up in shootouts as if, if those teams want to shorten the game and limit the amount of possessions they get. Well, with the win, Arkansas State getting their record to five and four on the season and three and two in conference play. Louisiana Monroe dropping to three and five and two and two in the conference with a final game from Saturday uh, Louisiana a dominant performance over Texas State at 31 to 3 the game was scoreless after a quarter and only 10 to 3 at halftime but again Texas State has resorted back to their old ways of we have no running game we we're we're competitive in the first half the defense keeps us in it and then the second half we completely completely just fall asleep and don't even act like we're playing football 
Yeah, I, I mean, this was one of those games where uh, Louisiana didn't get off to the the hottest start, but that running game, that running game makes it feel like you can only contain them for so long. Uh, especially when you add in, you know, Levi Lewis, the the quarterback. You know, we talk enough about the the three headed running attack that Louisiana has, but Levi Lewis being able to throw and run the ball brings like a really another dimension to this Cajuns team that you really have to have to account for. But, you know, it, it's tough when, you know, te- Texas state was just playing outclassed in this one. Yeah, they really were. You know, this is a game that, you know, the, t- the two Tyler Vitt interceptions was really the difference maker uh, in this game. But when your leading rusher has 10 carries for 38 yards and the long of those carries, he got 13 of them on one you could the average speaks for itself yeah uh you know this really seems like the type of game where texas state their defense kept them in it as long as they possibly could and then elijah mitchell and raymond calais and you know chris smith stepping into that third running back spot really started just to kind of go crazy in this one with mitchell running for you know 126 yards on just 13 carries like i said levi lewis you know uh, uh, did what he had to do offensively for them at quarterback through two touchdowns and 183 yards. So this is this is kind of the tale of the haves and the have-nots in the Sun Belt. The, the teams that have the talent and the horses can kind of cut it on whenever they need to, and Texas State can try to grind out the, these games, but when it comes down to it, they just don't have the ability to hang for four full quarters. That's exactly right. With the win, Louisiana getting to 6-2 and two on the season, 3-1 and one in the conference, Texas State falling to two and six, one and three in the conference. So we look at week eleven this week, and it starts with a Thursday night showdown in the uh, Palmetto State of South Carolina. The Co- uh, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers will host the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. The Cajuns coming in on the road as fourteen point favorites. Uh, Here's the thing, Brian. This is a game. It's midweek. Crazy things happen in the Sun Belt on Thursday night, so it's been the theme this year. Uh, if I'm Louisiana, you better not count their chickens before you're hatched since you're playing the mythical roosters of, of the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. They better not get too cocky going into this game because this is a game I feel like this could be a uh, this could be a trap game for Louisiana. Oh, I, I mean, I agree for sure. Uh, if Coastal and, you know, Bryce Carpenter can throw the ball a little bit and, you know, they've Coastal has shown they play some defense. They can run the ball with a bunch of different guys. If Carpenter gives them that third dimension on offense and it allows them to, to air the ball out, at least with the threat of airing the ball out, I, I mean – from a betting perspective, I think I kind of like Coastal plus 14. I think this is going to be a tight, you know, typical Thursday night game. I think we've only had one Thursday night Sunbelt game be a blowout this entire season, and everybody saw it coming. So, I mean, I kind of like Coastal plus 14 in this one at home. Yeah, I really do. I, I'm the same way. Now, if Coastal can grab this win over Louisiana, they'll get to 5-4. and four. The remaining three games, Arkansas State, Louisiana, Monroe, and Texas State, if they can win this game, get to 5-4, and four, I really think a bowl game is going to happen for this team if they can win Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, the last two games on their schedule with Monroe and Texas State look very winnable for them and uh you know i kind of talked about it earlier with arkansas state you never really know 
when their defense is going to kind of rear its ugly head and, and end up being a, a real problem for them. But if they win this game, I think a bowl game is almost certainly in the cards, given how the last two games of their schedule will shake out. And, you know, this game kind of reminds me of the App State game. This is a team in Coastal Carolina whose defense isn't bad, but there's still a, a wild card question to it. But if there's one thing this defense does well, it's stop the run. I think, you know, App State, they had success at stopping this Louisiana run game. And if there's another defense in this conference, I feel like they can stop the run. It's got to be Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I mean, statistically, they have one of the better run defenses in the conference. Uh, Like I said, things get weird on Thursday nights in the Sun Belt. You never really know what to expect. I think I like the under in this one as well. I I could totally see this game being 20-14 to final score. Uh, the game scheduled for a Thursday night uh, kickoff at 7.30 on the national stage of ESPNU. Well, on Saturday at 3 o'clock, the game that gets the Sun Belt slate for Saturday started off. I guess you could call it the toilet bowl of the Sun Belt this season as the Texas State Bobcats take on the South Alabama Jaguars. I tell you, Brian, you know, if there's one game, <laughs> if there's one game that justifies Texas State being a, a touchdown favorite, being a seven and a half point favorite, it's got to come. It's South Alabama. But if South Alabama wants to actually win a game, they're not going to get a better chance outside of Jackson State than this. Yeah, I, I have to agree, especially when you look at, you know, how their schedule is shaken out overall. I mean, Texas State's one of those teams where they go through stretches of struggling to score points. Uh, you know, the the over-under on this one's 41.5 from what I'm looking at. I, I just think that from what I've seen out of both these teams this season, I think both of them are going to struggle to score points. So I think I like the under in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think – I could see this game being 13-10. to 10. Yeah, absolutely. I could see this being a, a 13 to 6 final score to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I, South Alabama's quarterback play, we've we've talked about it almost every single week. They're so bad uh, at quarterback. Uh Trey Minter is really their only weapon. We don't actually know how good that that South Alabama's receivers are cuz they can't get the ball. So Texas State has the has also, you know, the the propensity to kind of fade late in games that we've talked about. So I mean, even at 41 and a half, I feel like it's almost daring you to take the under. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the same way. I think it's one of those things that this is not going to be a game. If you like offense and if you like, you know, all around the field, slinging it downfield, watching athletes do their thing, this is not the game for you. No, absolutely not. I'd be shocked, honestly, if any non-South Alabama, non-Texas State fans tuned in to watch this one. Yeah, I, I would be shocked uh, as well. It's just it's just the way it works. These two teams in desperate needs of wins on uh, on both sides of the game on ESPN3 with a 3 o'clock kick in San Marcos. Well, your Georgia Southern Eagles riding how we know what happened last year. It could, it, could this be the spot? Could it happen again? Who knows? Georgia Southern on the road at Troy. 3.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Last year, the Eagles laid an egg after beating Amp State. Obviously, this is going to be a Troy team who's got to do a lot of soul-searching going into this game. Is this a team? And Your Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Troy. Could you see this being a spot where an egg is laid much like a year ago? 
I think they're so conscious of that egg that you're talking about that it's it, it almost can't be a trap. Either Troy is going to come out and just outplay them or Georgia Southern is going to come away with the win in this one. But I don't feel like it's going to be one of those situations where Georgia Southern is constantly shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, I think this game and the way that it turns out is all going to come down to the arm of Caleb Barker. Uh, if he is out there slinging it, he's probably going to have to throw for 400 yards in this one for them to get a win. Uh, Georgia Southern's rush defense has been pretty good as of late, and DK Billingsley hasn't been anything really to write home about uh, for Troy. So the combination of a bad Troy defense and Georgia Southern being a ball control offense, I feel like Caleb Barker is just really going to have to sling it in this one to give them a chance. Yeah, I'm the same way with you. And, you know, we know when Troy gets too dominant, leaning one way, throwing the football, we've seen it in games this year, what happens, that it doesn't tend to go their way. I'm kind of like you. I think Georgia Southern has to be conscious of the way they laid that egg uh, last season against uh, after they beat Appalachian State. And so now they're going to be watching them because here's the thing. If they lose another conference game, their tiebreaker over App doesn't mean anything if App wins out. Same thing that happened last year. They know now that they will own that tiebreaker if they both finish with one loss. They know that they have to get it done from here on out. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, I think they're just so conscious of that that like there's no way that they overlook any teams from here on out. If any team if they lose a game from here on out, it's because they were outplayed, not because they took too long to get off the bus or, you know, forgot what time the game started like they did last year against Louisiana Monroe. So I I mean, I feel like I have to take Georgia Southern in this one. They are the favorites. Uh, I, I've not obviously been a fan of the way Troy's played defense this year. And, you know, Billingsley's uh, non, I guess, non-impact as a player has has made them kind of one-dimensional. So I, I have to take Georgia Southern in this one uh, just because I, I, I don't believe Troy's defense is going to come up with enough stops in this one. Well, the game has a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. So the Georgia State Panthers, they're, right, they're kind of positioned in a good spot now in the Sun Belt East as it thickens up, and they're running the thick of things in the East with their 3-1 and conference record. They're going to make the trip to Louisiana Monroe on Saturday for a 5 o'clock game on ESPN+. Plus. The Panthers, they've had an extra week to prepare, an extra week of film on Monroe. Uh, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think this is a game that you'll see some points scored neither team <laughs> tends to really have much of a much of a defense so I can expect points to be scored I think this game depends on and you correct me if I'm wrong if Georgia State can generate a running game can we talk a, l a little bit about the over under for this game at least from what I'm seeing on ESPN being listed as 75 and a half <laughs> I saw the same thing well, I mean, this this definitely has the ability to be a 48-41 game or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, I mean, this could be, and I hate saying this because I feel like I say it every week, this could be a game where Georgia State's defense finally comes back to bite them. We've been waiting on it happening ever since they lost those pair of games to uh, Western Michigan and Texas State. Uh, they, they've really seemed to have shaped up uh, from here on out but Louisiana Monroe as we talked about is no slouch Caleb Evans can do some things both with his arm and his legs so I mean 
I feel like Georgia State comes away with with the win in this one, but there's a reason the spread is only two and a half. I tell you, you know, it, this is one of those things where I don't know. I think if there's one team that is below Georgia State that they've got left on their schedule that they could lay that egg with, I think this is a Monroe team that has the capabilities of pulling the upset because of Caleb Evans, because of what he can do to extend plays. It's very Dan Ellington-esque at what he means for the Warhawks. Yeah, the only thing that gives me pause with taking the Warhawks in this one is the fact that Georgia State has basically had a week off after beating Troy uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, that being the main reason why I don't think Troy is going to be able to win at against Georgia Southern this weekend. But uh, I think Georgia State comes away with the win in this one. Uh, I feel like I... By the virtue of the number being so high, I feel like I have to take the under, even though it doesn't make me feel great to take an under <laughs> at 75 and a half. Well, I, I get what you're saying there. I mean, you know, that's this is one, I feel like this is one of those true risky uh, gambles because, you know, you could take the under, but I wouldn't be, you know, it's one of those things I'm kind of in line with you here, but at the same time, this is one of those games where I feel like just as easy as you bet the under, I could see the over happening. Well, the, the, I guess the good and bad thing about betting an over under this high is that you're going to know within the first five minutes of the game, the way that it's trending, you know, it, I, the only other game I can recall this year that had an over under this high was uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and you knew 10 minutes into the game there was no way the over was going to hit. So it ended up being, I think, you know, way it went way under. So I feel like you'll know if you if you take the over or under in this one, you'll know five minutes into this game which side's going to hit. Definitely so. Uh, a 5 o'clock kick on ESPN Plus down on the bayou between Monroe and Georgia State. Well, here we go. ESPN2 is the stage on Saturday night, and it's a big one. Uh, obviously, it would have been bigger if the Mountaineers would have been ranked, but so far, so be it. Look behind and move on to the next one. The Mountaineers still with a chance to grab two Power 5 wins in this season, which would be huge uh, as they take on the South Carolina Gamecocks, who set it 4-5, and five, the Mountaineers at 7-1. and one. Uh, I tell you, you know, uh, Will Muschamp talked about in his press conference this week how eye control, not ball control, eye control, is going to be critical for the Gamecocks against App State, keeping their eyes peeled on defense, whether Thomas is, you know, pulls it out of the gutter, Harrington or Marcus Williams Jr., and lets it rip or takes off with his feet, much like he did against North Carolina earlier in the season. You know, granted, a lot of people are going to be down on the Mountaineers. They're five-point underdogs going into South Carolina, over under 51.5 after their performance last week. But uh, weather's supposed to be good in Columbia on Saturday. going to be a cool day in Columbia, South Carolina, with highs only in the mid-50s. But this is a game, Brian, I know it was a rough showing for the Mountaineers last week against Georgia Southern, and they might have been looking ahead to this game. But I don't feel I, I can't go in. I know South Carolina's got better athletes, but I can't go in and just say that this is like some over dominant David versus Goliath type of thing. No, I mean, the fact that South Carolina's under 500 lets you know what type of team they are. Um, you know, they've they've dropped games to ten, they've been embarrassed by teams like Tennessee, Missouri. Uh, they lost a game to North Carolina earlier this season, who obviously App has beaten. 
Um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see App just roll into Columbia and come away with the win in this one. Um, I I don't I've never believed in Will Muschamp as a coach ever. Uh, I think he has the ability as a coach to win a game once per season that you just you don't expect. And usually it comes against Georgia and that's already behind them. But I, I, I've never believed that he was a good coach. I think he's done a fine job turning them around because they were a dumpster fire when Steve Spurrier retired midseason. But I just I, 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 I can't. I can't honestly say that South Carolina is can get up for any game the rest of the season just because of, of how bad of a coach Will Muschamp is. Yeah, you know, this is one of those things that on paper, I North Carolina beat you're having I'm gauging this game and call me crazy, but North Carolina, South Carolina, and App State are in a triangle because all three teams are going to be, because all three teams have played each other or will be playing each other as of Saturday. You saw what App State did to North Carolina to be able to put out the victory. If it wasn't for a couple plays here or there, App State was dominating North Carolina. They were up 27-10 to 10 at one point, and they still had their foot on the pedal. It and you see the way North Carolina was able to have success against South Carolina, and South Carolina just got virtually torn up by Tennessee, and we saw what a joke Tennessee has been this season. You can't tell me that you know this is one of those things. If you're if you're a South Carolina fan, it, it, you can't tell me that you're going in ultra confident thinking, well, we're playing a Sun Belt team. This is going to be an easy win. We this isn't much better than an FCS team because App State isn't that kind of team. No matter if they just lost to Georgia Southern or not, it, it, I still feel like this is a game that is very much winnable. Oh, I think it's winnable for sure. Um, you know. South Carolina, as as an SEC team, is not going to set the world on fire at any point. Um, I I just you know I have I have a lot of questions about South Carolina, and they have talent. and And if you go back and look at their recruiting classes the last couple of years, they always get these four star guys and a couple of five stars. But then when you watch them play, it just never translates to on the field success, and it really hasn't since. I want to say Connor Shaw was the quarterback under Steve Spurrier. So, I mean, even though you look at the numbers all over the field for them as far as recruiting rankings go, it just never seems to pan out for them. So I think Hilinski, their quarterback, is good. I think Brian Edwards is a good receiver for them. Outside of that, I, I don't really believe in any of their pieces. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is a game, if App State can get that running game going with Darrington Evans, if Zach Thomas can put the ball where it needs to be, if Sutton and Hennigan step up, and if the defense will play like they played against North Carolina, you can't tell me you can't expect the same result. Yeah, the only I, I think the only real shot that South Carolina has in this one is if they feed uh, their running back Tavian Feaster who has, you know, in the games that I've watched of them, has been the best player on their offense. Uh, I, I don't feel like he's gotten enough work this year, but, you know, he's one of those rare guys that transferred from Clemson to South Carolina, which obviously is a huge rivalry with them. But yeah, I think that's the only shot because if Helensky has to put the ball up too much, I mean, he's just shown that he doesn't – he doesn't have the offensive line and he doesn't have the weapons to really make you pay at this stage being a true freshman quarterback. 
Well, with that that being said, it's going to be interesting to see ESPN2 National Television in Columbia. I mean, when was the last time this late in the season, outside of it being like Alabama playing somebody, uh, when was the last time you saw a, a sub-500 SEC team playing a, a Sunbelt team and it be on national TV? <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, I mean, the one of the one of the rare examples I think I can think of is Georgia Southern Florida, maybe. But maybe I was watching that game on ESPN three. I can't remember. Yeah. I think that game was on CBS, but I'm not sure. Well, um, you, you know, it, this is just one of those things. You know, I think the reason this game's on ESPN two is more has more to do with App State than it does with South Carolina. Oh, I think so too. I mean. It, if they're going to show up and beat both an ACC team and an SEC team in the same season, I mean, clearly ESPN wants to take advantage of that and, and showcase it. So it's going to be obviously, you know, outside of, you know, North Carolina, uh, outside of the conference, it's going to be App State's biggest test uh, this season. But you, you just never know with Will, a Will Muschamp coach team. Are they going to show up and, and be firing on all cylinders and flying around and hitting people on defense? Or are they just kind of going to come out and go through the motions and not really find a way to, to score any points? So, I, you know, I tend to lead, lead with the, uh, the latter example. So, I mean, I kind of like app in this one, to be honest with you. Well, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait uh, to be there in Columbia on Saturday night to watch this bad boy uh, go down, and hopefully the Mountaineers can pull another Power 5 upset, two in the same season. You know, it, it's going to make that Georgia Southern loss hurt more because if if all we had to do – if we beat Georgia Southern, turn around and win this game Saturday night, there's – now with SMU losing – to Memphis like they did last week, App State would have been in the driver's seat for the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, that's a that's that's tough when you take take in the implication of of uh, of SMU losing the same week as well. Uh, you know what can you really say about the game? It was it was a shootout with Memphis and and SMU ended up on the wrong side of it. But yeah, it is rough when you take into account that that Georgia Southern. Uh, is pretty much going to be the the uh, Achilles heel of App State season. Yeah, definitely so. And you know, it's just it's just one of those things that you live and learn from and move on and uh, do what you can do to control the rest of your season uh, yourself. Well, man, that is the Week Eleven slate uh, this week. I tell you, when you look ahead to to, to next week in Week Twelve, uh, big showdowns across the board. It'll be back all Sun Belt from top to bottom, so that'll be a good thing uh, next week as well. It's been fun. I know you're going to be getting that Georgia Southern preview and stuff out uh, at near the end of this week as well. I'll be doing the same thing with my app, South Carolina as well yeah absolutely uh i i think the one you know biggest thing i i'm gonna take away is the thursday night matchup between louisiana and coastal i want to see who is really going to assert themselves in that game uh we've kind of talked about the way that these two teams match up so i'm really interested to see how that game goes 
Yeah, me too. I, I'm I'm curious to see that game on because Thursday night this year in the Sun Belt has just been one of those mythical time nights where anything can happen. Uh, the games are normally close. The games normally have a wacky 10 to them as well. So I'm with you. Thursday night is where my eyes are fixed. And then also, but just because of where my allegiance is on the fan side of things, can my Mountaineers pull that another Power 5 upset uh, in the same season? You know, if things were to shape out and then if Memphis was to slip up again after App wins this game or, you know, Memphis or Cincinnati was to slip up, who knows, the door could open itself back up. Yeah, I mean, that that all comes down to, uh, you know, where, where they value their wins. Um, you know, like you said, the, the three biggest contenders outside of app for that, that G five bowl spot are, uh, Cincinnati, Memphis, and SMU. Uh, I, I believe all three of them have one loss in, in coordination with apps, one loss. So, uh, you know, we'll see where the allegiances lie come, uh, come bowl season and see who kind of gets that invite and that nod. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is really going to rest on the Lords. Can App State, if App State beats South Carolina, then they will have the ability, if they can win out the rest of the way, to bring something to the table. If not, then it doesn't really matter. Well, man, been fun uh, hanging out with you. As always, again, they can I know they can find you on Twitter, at uh, WatchTheStone. They can find me at Twitter, at RadioGuyCM. We'll both be pumping out those previews and stuff over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to get into it. It's a great slate of games this weekend. Definitely so. And once again, this has been the Fun in the Sun podcast.